Because I was playing that dumb Star Wars game, I started playing the the, the companion app game. Oh, stop. Just don't even... I want to hear about it. Shut up. <laughs> don't even... Alright, fine. It is December 9th, 2015, and I am... Weird, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> and I'm alone. <laughs> it is December 9th, 2015, and this is Idle Thumbs... What is... <laughs> I literally don't know how to do this. Jake, where are you? It is December 9th, 2015, and this is Idle Thumbs 240. I am Chris Remo. And I'm Nick Brecken. And that's all we are. That's it. That's all yep. we got. <laughs> Jake was Jake was uh, on his way, I guess, and then realized that the... That he needed immediate medical attention. Yes, that the <laughs> cut on his thumb that he gave himself with a saw last night after attempting to saw a Christmas tree... Um, requires a tetanus shot, and his medical provider insisted that, having gone 20 years without such a shot, he better get his ass to Mars. So, <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to imagine Jake sawing a Christmas tree right now. <laughs> it's, it's actually... Well, he's sure not doing it right now. <laughs> well, he yeah, better true. not be. Or Jake, ever, stop or sawing Christmas again. trees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, but I just need to saw them. Yeah, that's all I like. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, um, so it's a weird cast. It is a weird cast. We played weird things. It's so, true. Um, we yeah. we both played one weird thing, and I challenge you. I'll give you five dollars if you can flawlessly quote to me the name of the game from memory right now. Uh, you, you, uh, can I just hand you the five dollars? <laughs> and it's Doctor. I want to say Doctor Caligari, but it's not. It's nope. Doctor Strange Love. Doctor. It's it starts with a doctor and ends with an emerald. And there's a tiger in the middle. Yep. All right. <laughs> As they say. Close enough. I'll give you a dollar fifty. It's uh, it is called Doctor Langoskov, the Tiger, and the Terribly Cursed Emerald, a Whirlwind Heist. All right. Yeah. So I got I got halfway there. Yeah. This is um, this just appeared a few days ago, like last week, mm. on Steam. As far as I know, without any warning. Although for all, I mean. It may well have been something that was previously announced, and I just wasn't aware of it. I don't think so. I think I think they had announced they were making a game. I don't think they had yeah. said anything about it. Yeah. So this was um, this game was designed by uh, William Pugh, who was the designer of the Stanley Parable, uh, which was which was written by um, Davy Reedon, who didn't work on this game. But um, this is a the first game from I guess a new small. Studio, I think four British people called Crows, Crows, Crows. Right. And I, I guess this, it seems like this was maybe created kind of just as a promotional thing to sort of jumpstart their studio mm. and say, hey, we exist and we made this, they call it a complimentary game. Um, and it is free. And it, yeah, it is yeah. in fact free. And I guess it, I guess they're just sort mm. of trying to put out a cool thing that will, yeah, I think Get, that's cool. Yeah, I think it's totally cool. It it, I think it's a smart thing to do as a new studio to kind yeah. of like establish an identity and then. I don't know if I've ever seen quite this strategy, like no. this exact type of thing. I don't really think I've seen it deployed before. I uh, 
I really wanted it to happen with um uh um oh my god I I'm blanking on his name right now the Resident Evil creator um, oh Shinji Mikami Shinji, yeah Mikami their studio actually did something very similar uh, when they were starting out at Bethesda underneath huh. Bethesda um they made a weird weird game where you play as a cockroach and you climb on walls and attack people's crotches and it never <laughs> it never got released crotch roach. but it's been uh yeah i can't remember the name of it but mikami was in the game as a giant because uh-huh. every every human was a giant was this man. ever like announced it was it was revealed that it exists but it was never announced um uh-huh. they were using it to kind of like um skill up on on id tech 5 at the time and uh man, just kind crazy. of happened to make this weird game um and i think at the end of the day they didn't want to kind of spend the time to QA finish a it? weird yeah. game and finish it and polish it and is, when they needed to yeah. start making a larger thing. But yeah, um, yeah I was, I was really, <laughs> I was really excited about the idea of like a weird, a weird thing coming out before yeah. probably more weird games from that right. studio. <laughs> so, Man. Yeah. You know, I have Mikami's hat. You have, you have that crazy hat with all the <laughs> stuff like pasted on it or whatever. I've, well, I've got, yeah, I've got a weird, like, I don't know how to describe what these hats are. It's a thing for sure. Like just a hat with it's ripped and it, you know, just a baseball cap and it's, it's torn and it has like love printed on like, you right. know, half of it. And then sort of like a weird logo that isn't a logo yeah, it's like for a pat- anything. It's like a patchwork kind of punk. Patchwork yeah. Thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and he, uh, he signed it intending it to uh, be received by one of the uh, female employees of Bethesda. <laughs> Instead, <laughs> who didn't, who didn't want in. the hat, I swooped in and said, oh man, Mikami's hat, gotta Mikami's have that. iconic hat. So, when he, showed up, for Nick Brecken only. when he showed up to the office uh, in, in America for the first time, I was wearing the hat, and he saw me, and then mumbled something to his uh translator <laughs> it turns out that and the translator like mikami walks away and then the translator stays and explains to me he goes oh uh mikami-san says that uh he is very surprised to see that you have his hat <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so yeah anyway oh i love it got got that didn't get Goldblum shoes but i got mikami's hat well that's... still have that hat that's amazing. Yeah. Anyway. I'm really glad that somehow this story emerged. Anyway. This couldn't should have... probably talk about this game. <laughs> yeah, this couldn't have anything less to do yeah. with uh, Dr. Langeskov, the tiger, and the terribly cursed right. Emerald Colon, a whirlwind heist. So, right off the bat... Uh, this I mean, is like I a, a free... Just to reiterate, it's a free like 10 yeah. to 20 minute experience. Yeah, people should play this game. Um, it, But, I mean... Should we talk about uh, Thirty I w- Flights of Loving? I guess. I mean, it's, yeah. it's so Brendan Chung, right? I want to say something about the trailer for this game, which is that um, you should watch the trailer on Steam or wherever because the trailer, as far as I can tell, doesn't even have any of the like the trailer has. I think entirely unique narration mm. that doesn't exist in the game at all. Well, that was like the Stanley Parable. They did a huge trailer yeah. that was and it's, it's a, own. And it has this like amazing soundtrack mm. that's really good and made me really jealous and made me want to mm. make a game with a soundtrack like that. Yeah. And uh, it's just an amazing trailer. It's like really, really, really good. And then you play the game and it's kind of different. Uh, yeah. But also interesting. Yeah. Um, the joke of the game like maybe had worn itself out by the time I was done with it. But 
but, yeah. I, but I really liked it. It's, it's the, the conceit is that you're sort of well, you you load into a yeah, game, you, you load up a and game. then um, are immediately told that somebody else is playing the game that you were supposed to be playing. Yeah, and so you, you can't are now, play it yet. Yeah, and you can't play it yet, and so now you are um, sort of contracted and also, by this. All of the like supposed employees who like <clears throat> make the game work by like messing with the lighting and doing all the things that happen to a player in the game are all on strike. Right. So you basically have to fill in. Yeah. So that, you that's are. The, that's the premise of the game. Yeah. You're walking around backstage of uh, a theater, um, which is kind of representing the game world. Um, or, yeah. y- you know, they're using a theater as a metaphor for. Uh, like the insides for, for of the, the game. The, the workings insides of, of yeah. the game. Yeah. Um, and sort of going from room to room. And a lot of it's done through uh, narration in the way that the Stanley Parable kind of mm-hmm. did things. A lot of it's reactive to, you know, you click on something, the, the narrator reacts. Um, and yeah, it's it's clever. It's good. I think um, <clears throat> I was surprised. It felt so much like Thirty Flights to me in, in a lot of ways, um, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed that. I don't know. I liked I liked the brevity of it because, as you say, I think the premise kind of you know gets it gets it gets it up to about fifteen minutes, and then I think any more, <clears throat> yeah, any more, it would have really petered out. Yep, yeah. yep. It felt just about the right length. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's definitely part of an interesting trend of games that seems to be almost exclusively free or, or very cheap. Yeah. Um, or I guess ultimately extended in something bigger like the Stanley parable was, but the Stanley parable started as a free mod, um, which are games that are entirely, like, essentially entirely closed in and claustrophobic, whether or not they're 100% linear. Like the Stanley parable is not necessarily a linear game per se, but it is very, hemmed in right and the things you the places you can choose to go are very prescribed even if you can choose one or the other um yeah no, 30 flights of loving which is completely well one would say linear experience as a player but it's actually possibly the most non-linear game right. i've ever played narratively speaking um and you know this game dr langeskov etc um davy Reedon's more recent game the beginner's guide um, I'm, there are other g- games that are kind of like this. You could say something like Dear Esther and games like that mm-hmm. are in this vein, but I wouldn't quite put them there because I don't think they have this, the, the thing that I, the quality I think that is interesting about this subgenre we're talking about is the extraordinary density yeah. of just constant interaction or not interaction but like constant reactivity or just stimuli being say, yeah. poked at you like everywhere the the point of the <clears> game <throat> is that it's very short very dense and just absolutely packed with yeah. stuff whether or not you're the person instigating the stuff mm-hmm. and it's i don't know it's interesting i mean well and it, i think what's interesting about that to me is that um uh, weirdly enough i've been watching just Weirdly enough, he's the most whatever. I've been watching Spielberg movies lately, Chris. Huh. Uh, interesting. <laughs> um, fascinating. Such an un, uh, <laughs> undiscovered filmmaker. But something that I think Spielberg does really well um, and good cinema does really well is just uh, uh, rapid fire pacing. You know, just like every, every you know, 30 seconds there is a new, I mean, Walt Disney called them gags. You know, like something that is like creating a, a stimuli response. And I think that these games kind of recreate that in a sense. Um, like the feeling of watching just like a really like dense, like Pixar short or something, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like they're, they're getting it like that feeling, I think. Right. Um, 
I would hesitate to say that that is sort of unqualified good filmmaking, but it is a it is a it is, it is, is a avenue Sorry. that is like potentially very successful. Yes, uh, that's true. Uh, like Dear Esther is an example of a different type of right. Yeah, uh, yeah or like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy as yeah, a kind of film right, where you yeah. sort of marinate in a scene for a while. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, it's funny you mention that actually because <clears throat> um, last week Sarah and I went to San Francisco Symphony's performance of. Bugs Bunny at the Orchestra 2, uh, which is <laughs> the latest in a series of uh, a 25-year-long series of Warner Brothers productions that pairs an orchestra uh, or other performing arts ensemble with, you know, original Warner Brothers cartoons. And th- this is the fourth one. It started as Bugs Bunny on Broadway, and then it was something else, and, and then it was Bugs Bunny at the Symphony, and this is Bugs Bunny at the Symphony 2, and they've just done these, you know, over the last quarter century. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, actually the guy, the creative director of the series who um, came up with the whole thing actually conducts all of them. He just travels oh, to the cities and is the conductor and then speaks a lot about the history in between the segments speaks about the history and just interesting facts. And it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Just completely amazing. I know I just said amazing three times, <laughs> but the, the symphony, is doing something that the original Warner Brothers Symphony Orchestra never had to do, which was play all of these things start to finish with no interruptions. Uh, yeah. You know, they would record uh, segments like 30 seconds at a time, and then right. the sound editor would edit them together to sound seamless. But they have to play these like six-minute crazy things with tempo changes and scene changes mm. and weird sounds and just sudden stops because of what happened, you know, yep. just straight through. And it really gives you an incredible amount of appreciation for – the both the craft of uh, high density cartooning of the kind you're talking about, where there's just a gag yep. constantly, just incredible economy of movement and uh, animation, mm-hmm. and um, and and also just the the craft of musicianship and yeah. and the and composition and what the what the composers did to take what it, what in a lot of cases was sort of classic European art music and then uh, arrange it in a way that fit those cartoons. And, uh, and yeah, it was a great example of that kind of, you know, this sort of almost a similar approach to what you see in games like this, where there's just a really, really high density of stimulus and, um, uh, yeah, in a lot of cases gags, because a lot of these games are sort of fun, you know, funny or sort of implicitly funny, like 30 flights of loving is not a comedy, but in it's in the, but it has rapid fire gag nature of it it is you're, you're sort of delighted, you know, like it's like, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, Chris <laughs> three. Yes. Uh, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm glad that these games are, um, the games like this are, are still, um, I mean, I shouldn't say feasible because it's a free game, but I'm glad right. that I'm glad that there's merit in making something. Uh, well, like and, and pres- I mean, feasible is not the worst word because, we well, yeah. it it might be the case that we're at a good point on the curve for stuff like this because right. the because this has the, been unity I think right I mean I'm pretty I, sure based I on the based on the loader it looked like it was and so I'm, I'm oh that's true yeah, yeah I'm sure you're right uh the you know we're probably at a pretty good point on the development curve right now in terms of tools both for um, game creation and asset creation mm-hmm. being um accessible and kind of uh, ambitious enough that a small team of people can make something impressive, but also at a pretty good point in terms of 
there being an audience of people receptive to something that isn't triple a level in terms of yep. um extreme uh you know graphical density and and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that um and you know we have the distribution channel to get stuff like this out there i don't i mean i suppose anything is feasible if you're willing to make no money on it and you can fund yourself right so but, true you know one imagines they might have plans for something that will make them money yeah and this is this this was a way to help move them towards that goal yeah 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 it's 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 a good game people should play it i think uh so the game is called dr langaskov the tiger and the terribly cursed emerald a whirlwind heist it is by crows 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 and you can get it on steam steampowered.com i found it by going i found it because i saw it just show up in the new releases at a on a day when i couldn't play it and the way I found it when I went back was just going to the free to play section on Steam, yeah. and it is in fact fully fully free, not not simply free to play. Find it next to World of Tanks, World of yeah. Warplanes, <laughs> World of Warships, and Doctor Something. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, I played a game called Be Glitched, which is not out yet. I played it by way of the IGF. Oh. Okay. And yeah, the Independent Games Festival, and um, I was a I was an audio judge on that last year. I don't know if I will be this year. We'll see. Um, but, um, I played a game called be glitched cause I was assigned to rate it and it is really, really cool. It is uh, the reason I, that it's, I think interesting for me to talk about and think about right now on idle thumbs is because, you know, in recent weeks I've been talking about my experience with anno 2205 asteroid miner, mm. which is a kind of color matching, <clears throat> free to play game that to me is way more uh intentionally exploitative than you know i think it crosses a line mm-hmm. in terms of being sort of a good game design that then also has sort of a kind of an innovative business model i think it crosses the line into something that is sort of fundamentally poorly pitched mm-hmm. in that way and sort of intentionally so which makes it kind of worse um so the the reason that is interesting is because this game be glitched is actually a match three game oh. or, or, you know, a match, however many match, yeah, a match game, you know, yeah. a game where you flip tiles around and they match. <laughs> uh, and, uh, it's, it doesn't have, it's not the same mechanic as Anno, but it is, it's really interesting to play a game, you know, it's sort of instructive to play a game in an era of simple puzzle games that are designed to bilk you out of money and be just as consumable as possible, right? So Beglitched is a matching game with it's called it calls itself it calls its aesthetic cyberpunk, which which is <laughs> which is pretty clever. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's a uh, you might be able to infer what it's like from that adjective because it's such a good one. Uh, but it's it, it is it's like you're inside a computer. And you're sort of hacking through networks, but everything has bright pastel colors and the enemies are sort of bunnies and ducks and stuff like that. Mm. And, uh, and it's hard, but it's, but it is hard in a way that requires you to actually puzzle through things and remember the properties of how this world works and plan a few moves ahead and balance variable you know and i mean you know variance balance various risk and reward factors mm-hmm. if it plays like a 
a mashup of Bejeweled and um, Battleship. Oh, wow. Yeah, in the sense that a, ga- a game, you know, around there's there's sort of an overworld where you're traversing computer networks and using logical deduction to figure out how to avoid mines and how to get to the exit. And then on that overworld, you will encounter enemies, sort of JRPG style, where you will run into one of them, you know, mm. on the map there, and then you'll go into this matching game. Mm-hmm. And you fight against them, and they are they exist as a sprite on your board and they move from, depending on what kind of enemy they are, they move from tile to tile. And some of them, some of them you can see and they move around. Some of them are invisible to you. And so you have to infer where they are and some of them are invisible and they will stay on a given tile. Some of them are invisible and they'll move around every turn and you can match tiles, but you can also spend energy to use tiles abilities, which include Mm. things like bombs and a compass and compasses will sort of point in the direction of where the enemy is. So, you know, most enemies are invisible and and that is necessary to try and infer where they are. There are tiles that will refill your energy and and all different things. Um, And, and it, you really, you just, the, the thing that is, uh, that is so interesting and strange about that. I got to stop saying interesting. I know I take (laughs) people, people criticize us for using that word of too much and they're, they're correct. Uh, you just cannot play it mindlessly. Mm. Um, and I don't think in a video game, mindlessness is not always a bad thing. You know, there, there definitely can be something um, good about getting into a state where you're just sort of operating subconsciously or sort of just plowing forward. And then there's another aspect of the game that is providing right. the, the more substantial interest. Uh, but, you know, mat- matching puzzle games very frequently, you're just kind of mindlessly clicking or swiping your thumb and there's almost always something that's going to match or it's so easy to see what's going to match that you don't that the the sort of the delta between the best move and a good enough move is so is like just not even worth bothering with you you might as well just keep doing the good enough move every time and you'll be fine whereas in this game you know the enemy attacks back you know and so (laughs) you will lose if you don't take out the enemy before they take you out uh, and taking out the enemy requires this kind of battleship like deduction of where they are and um, careful usage of your finite resources. And um, I, it's just, it's just really impressive. That's cool. Yeah. If, if uh, I, I, I tried to find out when this game's coming out and it looks like early 2016, mm. um, they have a website. If you just search for be glitched exactly how it sounds, you, uh, you will find it. They were greenlit on steam. And, um, I think it's a very, very, very small team, uh, possibly two people. I'm not sure, mm. but it's really cool. Nice. Yeah. It, it was a good counterpoint to some of the, some of the stuff I've been thinking about recently in terms of these kind of pseudo puzzle games, you know, they're right. Whatever you call these games. Cause they're not really puzzles like puzzle action games. Yeah. Uh, on the Anno space miner, uh, or, or oh man, are you uh, playing Anno space of- miner? No, I'm not. Okay. Uh, but I am playing Star Wars Battlefront Base Command. <laughs> well, I've never even heard of this. <laughs> um, so this is a free um, companion app, you might say, uh, oh, to man. Star Wars Battlefront. It's companion app um, month on Idle Thumbs. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I played the Battlefront beta. I kind of made my peace with the idea that I was going to purchase that game. And so I, I, I got this companion app 
knowing that there was some kind of strategy game attached to it. And I thought, oh, I'll just, I, I think it was 2 a.m. And I figured, whatever, uh, it's this or another crossword puzzle. I guess it'll be this. Uh, and so I started playing this thing. Um, it's actually pretty interesting. I like it. I'm sure that the, it's it's a clone of something. So what uh, is it? And but So it is a... Sorry, tell um, me the name of it again. It's called Star Wars Battlefront Base Command. I mean, it, it's basically, if you download the Star Wars Battlefront companion app it is actually one component of that oh app. man <laughs> uh so so the companion app is like the companion app is mobile, like a portal your mobile, your mobile portal for all things Star your Wars, space station yeah. for yeah blah. but so um so it's like the third uh tab on this on this launch this launch pad and um it is it is a um a turn-based card game i guess you could say uh, and, and, and kind of the way that it works is that there is a base in the center of, uh, it's kind of essentially trying to, um, uh, give, uh, ape like, like the feeling of, uh, of, um, like the battle of Hoth or whatever from the movies, you mm -hmm. know, or for, from the, from the, from the game itself. Um, you play as the rebels and in the center of the map, you have a base and then there are concentric circles um, uh, um, kind of expanding outwards from from that base that represent the um, the movement spaces. Um, it looks like they did it in sort of the same kind of board game style that Hitman Go yeah. or something is in. Yeah, it's it's kind of a re uh, you know, a reductive style and then the um, or minimalist and then the so there are sec there are four sectors and then these uh, circles that represent these sort of spaces that are expanding outwards from the base. Um, and so what happens is that enemies spawn in from different points on the perimeter and, uh, you play cards successively trying to take them out before they reach your base. It's actually fairly simple. Um, but then, you know, there are obviously a million complicating factors and, uh, as you sort of progress through the campaign, uh, so to speak, um, different enemy types it is similar to Hitman Go in the, in the sense of the progression, right? You know, yeah. different, different enemy types, different, different movement types, different abilities. And then basically, um, the card game aspect is tied to the actual battlefront game, which is actually the, the thing that I want to bring up in, in relation to Anno, right? So this game doesn't, and battlefront itself doesn't, um, have a free to play uh, aspect, right? It doesn't. It doesn't actually charge you uh, microtransactions or anything along those lines. But what it does do, and this is this is the thing that I found out while playing this game for five hours straight in the middle of the night, oh, no. obsessively trying to complete it without having played a minute of Battlefront. Um, Wait, so what do you, you mean? Can, I thought you'd. I, I purchased it, but I I haven't really had time to play. <laughs> Clearly, I did because I played five hours of this stupid thing. <laughs> but, but it's a good game. Uh, but the um, the thing that I learned is not having played the main game is that because the cards are essentially tied to the same uh, sort of in-game currency. But you played the beta of the main game. I did play the beta. Yeah, okay. But um, as you play the main game, you unlock. Um, so, like, if you, I don't know, use 20 grenades, now you have the ability to unlock a card in this game by spending 500 battlefront points or whatever. Right. And and the idea is that you would earn points in the app and then spend them on the mm -hmm. game that you actually want to play. Whereas <laughs> really what I learned is that I'm more enamored with the turn-based tactical phone game. <laughs> and so that became a real problem when I didn't spend any time playing the shooter yeah. and just was trying to play these levels that are really hard yeah. without any of like, I don't have Luke Skywalker because I haven't played yeah. 600 rounds of, you know, whatever right. heroes versus villains, battlefront, yeah. blah, blah. So I'm sitting there at like 4 a.m., 
trying to find the right deck combination in this card and using like the starter cards to bring down like 15 like ATATs or whatever <laughs> uh and just grind it out basically mm-hmm. and I got all the way through every campaign to the very end and then there's just this one that is literally impossible I must have spent <laughs> Two hours. Five hours, two hours. Yeah, five yeah. Hours. <laughs> at, at which point, I could have just been playing the shooter, yeah, unlocking right. all of the stuff that would yeah. let me beat this yeah. in thirty seconds. But the challenge, though, was more interesting to me, right. and the game is more interesting. So I just sat there and I kind of mindlessly ended up just like clicking on enemies with various cards, just trying to figure out any kind of strategy. Like, I was just brute-forcing the game. The challenge is more interesting to me. So I'm, I'm throwing random well, cards. Yeah. Let me tell you, hours. it was interesting for the first 40 minutes. Right. It became just, you know, a World War One slugfest yeah. at a certain point. That's a really... That's a real bummer of a feeling, and I definitely got that with Asteroid Miner, where mm. you sort of start to feel like, oh, wow, this is actually... yeah. This is hard in a in a way that's good. Where I'm like, right. I I love that this is sort of unforgiving to me. And just as someone who plays, you know, just has been playing video games a long time, and I'm and I'm sure I don't know people who haven't as well. Who knows? Uh, you know, like you, there is something really great about feeling like there's a wall in front of you that you can actually get through in a, like yourself. Yep. You know, like I am actually going to figure this out. Right. And then it's so it's this you get sort of crestfallen mm-hmm. when you realize like, oh, that's not actually why this is hard. Exactly. The reason this is hard is because they're just trying to make it literally impossible mm-hmm. or as close to impossible as they can. Right. So that I go do some other unrelated thing. Yeah. That has nothing to do with the actual challenge that I'm tr- I'm trying to complete. They just this this challenge that they've created has a pure ulterior motive. Mm-hmm. And and like that's the only reason it's hard. And if they if it were up to them, it would be like I would I would just be like bouncing back and forth. Oh, yeah. Perfectly calibrated. Yeah. Like marketing. Synergistic. Dream. Yeah, like yeah. beautiful. Yeah. I mean, then there's the next step for me, which is, well, screw them. I'm going to figure it out <laughs> and just do it. And yeah, then, then the final waste, step is just, just like your life 6 a.m. Like <laughs> just, you know, red eyed. Like, oh, yeah. I hate everything. Why yeah. did I do this to myself? Yeah. Um, nobody wins. Nobody wins. They don't get their it's synergy, true. and you Darth get Vader their wins. Life. Chris, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> the Emperor wins. Um, Good. <laughs> yeah. The people right. who made yeah, this yeah. game lose. Yes, you exactly. lose. Right. Meanwhile, the Emperor is just outside your yeah. window looking yeah. in. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yes. Going. Turning to the dark side with companion apps. Uh, <laughs> make the microtransaction, Luke. Um, yeah. It's pretty much where we're at now. Anyway, it's a fun little game, but probably not worth the the the, the headache the anguish, if you haven't yeah. if you haven't played uh, any of the actual, probably not worth the lack of any the loss of shooter. Sleep. Yeah, yeah. All right, I mean, you want to take a break? Yeah, let's take that break. All right. Video game. This week's episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Casper Mattress. When you have been up all night playing a mobile companion app. And you've gotten no sleep and you're miserable. There is nothing better than to sink down into the <laughs> further, the, <laughs> the obsessively further, engineered yes. American made comfort and warmth of a Casper mattress. It's true, Chris. Yeah. Nothing better. No. 
I mean, the better thing would be to to get some sleep at a normal hour right. and have even more time in your Casper mattress. Exactly. But if you're ruining your life anyway, right. why not, you know, fall back into something something better after that? Mm-hmm. Um, if you go to casper.com slash thumbs and use the code thumbs at checkout, you will get $50 towards any mattress purchase on their website. They come straight to your house in a box that will explode them out in amusing fashion. They're very affordably priced. $500 for a twin-size mattress, $950 for a king-size mattresses mattress. That is a great price for a really great mattress. And you get $50 off if you go to casper.com slash thumbs and use the code thumbs. You can try it out and return it if uh, if you feel you need to. I don't suspect you will feel you need to. But that is how, that is how, how, they, how they do it because they're that confident casper.com slash thumbs and the code thumbs for your uh, post companion app recharging <laughs> needs. Thanks Casper. Video this episode of idle thumbs is also brought to you by a returning sponsor. Sherry's berries. It is a holiday time, which means it's time. Berries. It's, it's time, time for, for berries. berries. <laughs> that is, that is true. Um, and, uh, if you, Go to berries.com. That's B-E-R-R-I-E-S dot com. You can click that microphone in the top right, type in thumbs, and you will get all kinds of deals. They do it really. It's a really cool thing. You put that in there and then just your discount options populate the page. Um, you can get freshly dipped strawberries mm. uh, starting at just $19.99. That is 40% off. And uh, you can double them for just $10 more. Wow. Yeah. Double the berries for only $10. Uh, they got have dark a berry chocolate. Christmas. Right? <laughs> I, will have a, I will have a berry Merry Christmas. <laughs> Good. Yep. When you're, when you're up playing your, your companion app. <laughs> exactly. And yes, you're just, on Christmas Eve. And, you know, just, you're, when Santa comes a calling, but you're busy <laughs> playing Star yeah, Wars Battlefront. When you're, when you're malnourishing yourself, yeah. uh, having gotten no sleep because of your companion app, mm-hmm. this, these berries, these Sherry's berries, they will sustain will, me. They will sustain you. Yeah. Uh, with just huge freaking strawberries. We, we, they are big, uh, dipped in dark white and milk chocolate. Mm. And if you go to berries.com, click that microphone and type in thumbs. You can get 40% off your just huge berries uh, or double them for $10. Also, you know, if you know of any other friends who are holed up in their houses with companion apps. Right. Um, Tra- why, <laughs> any other prisoners. Um, who why not, could use why not good, brighten their life yeah. with some berries? Do them a favor. Yep. Berries.com. Click that microphone. Enter thumbs. Thanks, Sherry's Berries. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for keeping Nick Brecken alive. Yeah, thank you. Video game. Actually, speaking of eating berries and staying <laughs> okay. al- staying alive, yeah. I'm playing a lot of uh, Don't Starve Together. Oh, um, man. Okay. Which, um, so that is the, um, the uh, uh, multiplayer version of Don't Starve, uh, which is uh, itself a, a roguelike that came out quite a while ago, actually. Yeah, several years point. ago. That it's... game has been a sort of perennial yeah. success for Clay, which 
mm-hmm. the studio that made it. Yeah, um, and uh, I guess I won't really describe the game so much um, because I'm sure people have heard of it. It's at like this systems-driven survival game. Yeah, it's 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 um, it's got a sort of unique flavor to it, and uh, um, you kind of run around and and try not to starve. You you pick up things on the ground and build a little base, and et cetera, et cetera. But the thing that I really am enjoying about and I'll start together is that uh, so so playing the the single player version of this game, I kind of hit a curve on it where I realized what the point of the game was, um, collected a bunch of stuff, kind of explored, died a few times, resurrected a few times, but didn't really see the um, kind of end game uh, 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 like my in terms of like the games that I enjoy I didn't really see what I was kind of going towards that would keep me playing Um, that's kind of a weird way of describing it but in any case um, whereas uh, with Don't Start Together and I guess I can explain it backwards uh, the thing that I really enjoy about this game is that it feels it has the feeling of playing like a multiplayer Diablo game where Mm. um I'm playing with my girlfriend Janelle, and um, it's kind of a really—I mean, one—just a relaxing kind of activity that we're we're doing, like occasionally, like you know, thirty minutes of of time. We'll just kind of walk around this world and like kind of uh, uh, you know. The other thing that they've done is they've built up the um, uh, just the amount of things that you can build out Wait, of. In, hold on, go back to the Diablo thing. In what way is it like playing multiplayer Diablo? Well, the game is already a little bit like Diablo, right? You know, it's procedurally yeah. generated. Um, you know, there's a new seed every time you you die. Um, you're essentially always playing in hardcore mode. Uh, you know, if you die, you're you're, you're starting the entire world over. The the, the yeah. world, world regenerates. Um, you know, and and you're clicking on um, uh, various uh, resources around the world to collect. Um, to uh, to collect things and then turn them into um, uh, more complex machines and uh, farms and things that can that can kind of sustain you because the game is constantly trying to kill you uh, through starvation and obviously don't starve. So um, the thing that feels very Diablo to me in multiplayer as opposed to single player. Well, one I never really played Diablo single player, so I guess that's it. But also right. um, just the feeling of uh, you know. Uh, kind of that Diablo-esque world map, uh, seeing the icons on them, communicating with the person I'm playing with and saying, I'm going to go do this thing. Uh, I'm going to go back to town and, and, and kind of like, you know, do a couple of things and you go out and like kill a few guys or do whatever. Just this like sort of like passive cooperation, I guess. Um, that's the thing that I really enjoyed about Diablo is it's, it's a fairly, it's kind of that like sort of like flow state kind of game, right? right? Where you're just sort yeah. of passively doing things. Mm-hmm. And then occasionally you'll hit a point, you know, maybe every five or ten minutes where you kind of need to come together and cooperate on something. And that's kind of what I like about this is it, it's something that is um, usually pretty, pretty passive. But then occasionally something will happen where, like, I'm stuck behind a wall of killer bees and like I there's no way for me to escape. So I need, um, you know, uh, my, my partner to come down rescue me, do a thing, you know, like basically, um, you know, uh, risk wiping us from the entire server. Uh, and so these little spikes of excitement happen. Um, and that's, that's kind of the, the, um, the, uh, the, the feeling that I got from playing Diablo where, you know, generally Mm -hmm. speaking, it's just kind of a, um, you know, mowing down dudes and, and right. clicking and on stuff, and then occasionally this, like, it's like, "Oh God, we where you really have to." Yeah, we have together. to kill that yeah. stupid boss, and yeah. oh man, we've died like twenty times. Right. And this is this is horrible, <laughs> yeah. and like the crazy things happened, and oh man, okay. Um, 
so uh yeah i don't know i would i I guess I, what I would say is if you played some Don't Starve and then kind of stepped away from it, that, you know, maybe Don't Starve Together is worth a look because it feels like something that I'll probably come back to a decent amount. The nice thing is that when you shut down the game, um, it just sort of save states the whole world. And then, um, you know, when you shut down the server, it save states the whole server, which I guess is, I don't know, it's not surprising, but I think um, Don't Starve originally didn't really have uh, a good good save uh, Save state thing. So anyway, it's cool. Yeah, I like it. It's on um, Yeah, I'm also playing a thing that is not a game, <laughs> but and yet you're playing it. So all right, so this is a weird thing that I'll just kind of get out of the way pretty quickly, but maybe it'll okay. turn into a weird thing. So I I embarked on a weird journey to discover my ancestry. Whoa. Yeah, I don't really remember why I decided to do this, but I did it. Okay. And I went on this website called Ancestry.com. Yeah, I've seen their banner ads. Yeah. So here's the thing. I actually think this is an ingenious game. Um, okay. What's really interesting about this is you, you, know, you go on the website, you subscribe for a month or whatever, you plug in your name, yeah. and then it immediately pops up um, a little like leaf uh, and says, we have four hints about your Ancestry or whatever based on your name and you're just like one record that you've input. So then you click on the hint and it says, uh, we found uh, a census record for you that lists your father and your mother. And then you click on that record and it immediately attaches that to your profile as a piece of data. Now, because when you click on it, you're confirming like, yes, this is me or this is my family. Yeah. Yeah. This is correct. This is not some other person. So once you do that, it then says, "Would, would you like to automatically populate the next part of your family tree using that data for your mother and your father. And then when you hit yes, it just plugs them into your tree. Mm-hmm. So now they've got hints on them and you can, can sort of successively add more and more pieces of data to each right. person as you're kind of unlocking your can, past. Can, is it, can you say like, I'm not sure if this is. Yeah. You can, you or? can say ignore or I'm not sure or whatever. Yeah. And it'll just kind of keep it off to the side, but um, it becomes this addictive and fascinating game of like looking back uh, two, three steps, finding some weird 1800s uh, census record. The amazing thing is that they actually, when you find this stuff, not only they've stripped the data obviously and put it into their system, but then they also have the original scanned document. So you're looking at, you know, original like 1880s, um, uh, you know, longhand Crazy, census yeah. records. Um, but then, and this is the, this is the weird like multiplayer, like, uh, aspect to it is that there are other people doing the same thing and their trees uh, you actually can access as a piece of data as well and then when you add their data it just gloms their that tree onto your tree and so now you're just kind of creating this weird uh, like enmeshed um, history with other people and it's just happening you're just crusader kings in your exactly <laughs> this is basically crusader kings yeah. without the like war layer to it right. like you're just building yet. right exactly <laughs> so uh you yeah, got to dig up some it's... kind of hatfields and mccoys oh man grudge so i dug up some stuff so <laughs> oh, my great grandfather uh was apparently a milk bottler uh-huh in detroit michigan and one night in, I think, 1905, he was on the street and said, <laughs> I'm reading this like newspaper article that had been attached to his uh, historical record. 
and he uh, was um, insulted by a German uh, man walking down the street, then apparently returned the insult, at which point he was bludgeoned to death oh my God. on the streets of Detroit. What? <laughs> and, and the fascinating thing what is... What side of the family is that? Uh, my mom's side. So your mom's and, grandfather was killed to death yes, on the street. by a man named Martin, which is our family name. On oh the other God. side of her, on the on her other oh, side. Oh shit! So there's all, <laughs> now I'm like talking to my relatives and going like, "Is this actually like, like crazy one side of the family just killing another guy?" Which is basically Crusader Kings, yeah. right? I mean, like this yeah. is just like the low rent, like poor mm-hmm. Irish version of like a weird like video game that's being like unfurled as I'm. I also just kind of felt like. And you're playing like her story or games like this, mm-hmm. right? Where you're where you're sort of yeah, it's sort slowly of piecing together a story, yeah. um, but it's your own actual family history. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. It's man, that's really, amazing. It's really really good. Um, like you can you can take it so far back. Like there's a there's a Ralph Brecken in 1610 in York <laughs> oh, that apparently existed. Yeah. Um, the other side of that of that family uh, was the McBains. <laughs> who, who were like the clan McBain in I Scotland. There was a famous McBain who killed like 15 guys during some battle in the 1800s. Wow. Um, because he was six foot seven. And I'm sure at the time, <laughs> people were like five, five foot. foot. <laughs> yeah. So this giant man uh, killed a billion people with a claymore. And then you go further back, and apparently there was this thing that is almost like um, uh, uh, Duncan esque, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Duncan Fife esque. A story of Sonny Bain, who in apparently, you know, the Dark Ages, uh, just decided he ha- was kind of done living a civilized life and went to the ocean with his wife and lived in a cave and would just come out of the cave and kill people and then bring <laughs> their bring their bodies back oh to the God. cave. And apparently William, um, is it William the Sixth? I think the the um, the King of Scotland at the time of Elizabeth. Um, no, James the first. I'm sorry. James the first apparently personally led a group of 400 people to go find Sonny Bane and kill him. Oh yeah, they succeeded. <laughs> oh, yeah, and they just went to that cave. But he they already found had children who then eventually spawned Nick. Brecken. Apparently, yeah. yeah. Um, they they found this guy and his wife in a cave and just like hundreds of skulls. And weird. Oh my god! Yeah, so you have a crazy serial murderer in your family. Basically, what um, year was? The, when was this? Oh, you said. James oh, this was this was like yeah. this is some legend of oh. whatever that may or may not be entirely mm. true, but probably okay. has like some truth to it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway, it's a, it's a it's it, I don't know I I was it, it kind of crept up on me that this is actually a a really smart game like they've designed this system in such yeah. a way that it's sort of feeding you info That's in really slow cool. drips. Yeah. Um, and allowing you to kind of feel like you're in a library actually researching this right. stuff, even though yeah. it's just, you sure, know, it's just all in a digitally there, there for there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's a weird thing. I, I'm, that's it, awesome. Yeah. My, um, my grandfather changed our family name to Ramo. He, uh, his name was Guayanone and he, when he oh, right. moved from Italy to the United States, he changed it because of like anti-Italian prejudice yep. and so on. I mean, Ramo is still an Italian name, but it's, less aggressively Italian. Right. And uh, it would be really interesting. I don't know all that much about 
where that goes back, you know. So there was a there was a point in my line where uh, somebody had changed their name. Actually, I looked up my my girlfriend's uh, family line, mm. and they didn't know much either. And I I kind of did it before I went to their Thanksgiving dinner and kind of popped all the stuff on them and said like, "Did you know this?" And they yeah. were completely destroyed by it. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I hit I hit multiple points where names had changed. Yeah. And then I actually did real detective work and went on, you know, the internet kind of off to the side and found, like, you, you basically, like, at a certain point, you'll hit a, 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 you know, a brick wall and go, like, I can't go any further. But then just knowing what you already know, there are other sites and other things that you can search kind of manually. And then you can bring that information back to Ancestry.com, right. plug it in, and then get more. And yeah. so it, it actually, it turns into this weird thing of, like, actual sleuthing, which is, mm-hmm. it's really fun. That's awesome. It's a good game. No, that sounds great. It's a good subscription MMO, right. which it kind of is. <laughs> yeah. It's like $15 a month or something. But yeah. uh, if, if you have any interest at all in that kind of stuff, I would actually kind of recommend it because it, it it will delight your grandfather uh, as well. And ahead of the <laughs> holidays. Do, at the delight, head of the holidays, you need something to talk about. You it know? will delight your grandfather and the grandfather in you. <laughs> right. Unless he was murdered. Uh <laughs> All right. Well, here, here's a. Uh, you want to do some reader mail? Sure. Because here's here's a reader mail that that sort of connects to. Uh, I think is thematically resonant with this conversation. Andreas Philipson writes, "Dear Thumbs, I've listened to all of the Idle Thumbs episodes at least a couple of times. Try as I might, I can't seem to recall ever hearing about the lore behind Nick's alter ego, Nick Breedon. <laughs> Yet every time I hear the name, it makes me smile. Please elaborate. Cheers from Sweden, Andreas F. NDS on the forums." This is the Did, dumbest origin story imaginable. It is, is it? I don't even know if I know it, Chris. Oh, my God. This is a thing that only Jake says, and he says it despite nobody else knowing what he's talking about. Is it? Yes. So, okay. So, <laughs> Nick Brecken, your start in the video game industry effectively came mm. when I hired oh, you yeah. for a job at Shack News, a website that I used to be the editor of and that, that you right. then worked at with me. And... Uh, when I hired you, our boss, Steve Gibson, I think, or maybe it was me. I can't remember if it was me or Steve who posted in chatty. Welcome to (laughs) Nick Breedon. (laughs) It was totally Steve. And, uh, Jake (laughs) thought that was hilarious. (laughs) And Jake, that was it. Jake 2000 thought that was, it was in like, it was, yeah, it was in a little comment on a message board of a website like 10 years ago. And Weird. no, like probably 10 people in the world would remember that this happened. If that, yeah. probably not even that. God, and, um, that is the case with so much information in my brain <laughs> as related to Shaq news. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that it is, it is, the, it is basically not even an origin story. It is basically nothing. Wow. It is a fart of an origin story. Yeah. I'm going to attach that, that to my Breon ancestry record. Uh, <laughs> Nick Reckon change Nick name to Nick Breedon. Uh, <laughs> 2008 i you know it might it might even have been less than that because i actually i think the thing steve typed was um nick wrote for websites such as idle thumbs but he spelled it idle the ums so it's idle the ums.net and i remember yeah. we were bummed that 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 basically the like seven people who would have clicked on that to go right. to idle thumbs now now didn't and i think nick Breedon might even have been yeah, like a a you just like a community member or something. I can't Maybe. even remember, but it, it just dates back to a misspelling of your name from a community. Mom, website. why did why did our name change to Breedon? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, little. <laughs> oh, There's this website. There's this website called ShackNews.com. Oh God, 
That's actually the grossest thing about ancestry is you realize when people look back and they're going to find everything about you because the internet now exists. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, you're not going to need ancestry.com. Because because I found... You're just going to need archive.org. Yeah, the few the few things that I could deduce, right, that were scandalous, like uh, I, I found something in the 1700s uh, where... Um, I was just, you know, kind of adding names mindlessly because it's just at a certain point it just becomes yeah, like, yeah. you know, kind of uh, rote. And then it also approximates the MMO. Right. Yes, exactly. In that way. Yeah. And uh, and then I realized, oh, my God, I just added um, this woman as the wife of this guy. But then her sister also married his. Fa- oh, there's this is incest. This is what's happening right now. <laughs> so <laughs> there this is OK. Um, and, uh, and that's, 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 a, that's the extent of, mm-hmm. of, but, but now people will just read my live journal, uh, <laughs> and, and be very sad. Mm. Yep. Yeah. It's gross. It's really gross. Yeah. I don't enjoy that. That's going to be a thing that no. all of us will have forever now. Attach just, just Facebook, how... uh, Nick Bracken's Facebook. At to... least Facebook will probably get, continue to become so obscured and labyrinthine that like That's there's true. just gonna be no way anyone's gonna be able to find any old like i don't even know how you'd go about part you know fi- like digging dirt on someone up to, i'm free i'm sure you could but it's so, like that website is such a like yeah. a, just a catastrophe for me at least for me at this point that i don't even understand how you would dig things up but twitter and blogs right. and you know i mean the photos of my great-grandparents that i'm finding are like these nicely composed right. sapia tone yeah, like portraiture you know what i mean it's yeah, just gonna be it. like everybody's goofy face on splash yeah. mountain i yeah, mean like I it's gonna well, be you know, so it's, weird I was thinking about this recently because you know um my you know my mom always loved putting together photo albums and showing us old photos mm-hmm. and stuff and i was and you know obviously everyone loves doing that to some degree and um but I was thinking how that's going to feel or it won't feel different because people have no frame of comparison. But like that'll just be a weird thing that's different about, yeah. you know, people who are essentially born in the age of smartphones. Like there won't really be anything particularly special about I mean, individual photos might still be special and like be particularly memorable because they're yeah. good photos or that, you know, whatever. But like, you know, that photo album that you found that's got like 300 pictures of a mountain. That's just what your every every Instagram right. is now. Yeah, it's like just, just I mean it's everyone's just, just you, have everybody's got doubles of every of, yeah like possible event just, and age and you know. Why did you take this one? I don't know. I clicked the button. Like it's yeah. just everything. <laughs> yeah, just waste. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's super weird. Anyway, uh, let's see what other email we have here. Noel Barrett writes, "Hey, thumbs, new listener, loving the show." I've recently been playing a lot of 90s first-person shooter games lately, inspired by the Doom mixtape series by Liz Ryerson on YouTube. That's a good series. Uh, So I downloaded Heretic on Steam. Oh, man. Upon playing the vanilla Steam version of the game, I was shocked to find the controls exactly like those you were joking about in the Trash Can Sally episode. To move forward, you push the mouse forward, likewise backwards. The keyboard controls do the same thing with no strafing options I can see. I've been playing the game in the Doomsday Engine, which allows me to use the correct FPS controls. In light of listeners playing a game with their own self-imposed challenges, I believe this could make its own meta challenge for the game. Thanks, Noel. Man, that's crazy. Or Noel, I'm not sure. God, you know the the one weird thing about um, uh, uh, Star Wars Battlefront is that the vehicle... Is that you go forward by pushing yeah. forward with the mouse. That's really weird. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, you go forward by swiping <laughs> forward on the companion app right. while playing the video game. <laughs> Um, 
No, the uh, the space uh, vehicles uh, are controlled. I mean, I mean, whatever. Like you can control them using a controller if you want to, but um, because you're typically playing most of the game with the mouse, when you jump into like an X wing, you're playing with the mouse uh, usually, unless you really go to the trouble. And it just it instantly took me back to playing like X wing with a mouse and just sliding. The mouse, like basically throwing oh, yeah. the mouse at the wall, yeah. trying to get yeah. a turn radius oh, going, sure. and just like yep. all of those like, weird, stupid you're, like, things. That you're, at your, yeah, at the, you're just at like, yeah, exactly. You're yeah. just slamming the mouse down, yep. up and yep. down. Yep. Like, why is this thing not move? Yeah, that's that's basically. So it, it's really weird because like most of the game is this high profile like AAA shooter, and then I just instantly am taken back to because <laughs> there's like, even like a nice cockpit view yeah. that you can pull up, and I just feel like, oh god, I'm just doing classic this, Star Wars game. Just drop the frame rate to four frames per second and it'll feel like i'm playing this on my you know yeah. apple whatever yeah. <laughs> like, yeah it's pretty good man speaking of star wars cockpit experiences mm. i was at disneyland this weekend and, oh man yeah um there's a new uh, a new scene in star tours the like, oh, right. star wars simulator ride for the movie for, yeah it's actually really good oh yeah they've gotten really really good at uh using the like sort of using the motion mm. of you know like that that ride is like you're in a, a room and there's a screen and the screen is like act you have 3d glasses and the screen is acting as the windshield essentially of your shuttle yeah and the whole room rotates and vibrates around to simulate the motion and it's like they've gotten really really good at this point of making really convincing motion effects that are there's i don't know it's just imp- I, somehow i got onto a, a um uh, portfolio page for somebody who had done camera work on that. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, it was really, really interesting. She had like a, a minute long reel where she was kind of explaining how, you know, she, she did like the Hoth sequence, I guess. And that is, the, um, you know, God, for as many times I've been on, as I've been on Star Tours, I've never seen the Hoth one. Really? Oh, yeah, man. I've, it is I've pretty... probably been on that ride a dozen so times funny. and I've never got Janelle thinks the it's rigged. She thinks, she thinks that like if you do this one, then you never get this one. It's actually just a die roll, I think. Um, I, yeah, I think if people have broken it down. Random, it's, yeah. it's totally random, but yeah. yeah. But no, I've just, I've just, I think I've gotten it once. Unlucky and I've just many, never yeah. gotten it. Yeah, me too. Um, but uh, yeah, and she was talking about how tricky it can be because your instinct is to just, you know, do make a you know make the camera do crazy stuff, mm-hmm. but there is a limit to what the simulator can do, and there's also a limit to what people can take. You right. know, yeah. and so actually, like you know, she's a somebody that works at ILM doing you know all kinds of other uh, camera work on films and stuff, but then now being in that role, having to kind of like think about what that machine can do, think about what the way that people would react to it, and kind of design a basically just a free cam, you know, like. Uh, fly through, you know, camera move. I don't know. It was really interesting. Um, but yeah, that that is a that is a crazy, crazy thing. That simulator. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Hmm. Um. All right. Let's see. What else do we have here? So uh, Alexander Schroeder writes. Howdy, Thumbs. Given the topics of demos and unintended gameplay in the past few episodes, I thought I'd share a couple of my own stories in that vein. Both for online racing games on the original Xbox. Probably my favorite demo ever was the one for MotoGP that came with the Xbox Live Starter Kit. It was a simplistic online demo with maybe two or three tracks, but totally captivating because you could always jump in and race against 15 players at any given time, which at the time was a new experience. However, as a grade school kid, I couldn't actually buy said game, so it wouldn't be until much later I'd buy myself a version of MotoGP on the 360 in an attempt to recapture the magic. It didn't work. Even with far more options of motorcycles, modes, and tracks, none of it mattered because no one was playing that particular game online. (laughs) 
I ended up having more fun plugging in my old Xbox and playing that demo disc again, which, sure enough, still had plenty of players willing to do a few laps around Mugello, leading me to never play the full game again. <laughs> That's crazy. That's really crazy. <laughs> uh, the demo may be gone with all original Xbox wow. online, but I always think back to it as an example of a demo feeling superior to the actual product. Man, that happens so often. I me. know. Me too. It yeah. actually just happened with, with Battlefront. and like they. Oh, really? Playing the, the beta versus the The beta game. was incredibly unbalanced, and it actually made it feel really interesting. Like, the Rebels lost every time, which is what happens <laughs> in the movie. Now they've be- perfectly the balanced it, battle, yeah. and it just doesn't feel as interesting because the challenge, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the insane challenge of that was, mm-hmm. was so much more yeah. interesting than just kind of a perfectly balanced, yeah. like kind of, uh, I, I have really very little agency in what happens mm-hmm. and, oh, they won this time. Um, yeah. Demos are crazy and, and weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh man. It okay. just reminds me of the, the, um, battlefield 1942 demo. Did you ever play that? Pro- probably. Oh my God. I mean, that, I play the full game. I don't know, but yeah. I if anybody has like a good story about that, I would love a reader mail on that because it is that is that is the most memorable thing I can I can recall in terms of like a demo experience that essentially eclipsed almost mo- like most full multiplayer games. I think like <laughs> right. like oh man, what a singular like moment in time where like nothing like that existed, and it was just like a perfect version of it. That's anyway. awesome. Um, so he continues, as for unintended gameplay, that came from Project Gotham Racing 2, a fantastic racer all around that also marked the series' first foray into online. After getting my fill of single-player and normal online races, I've ended up becoming addicted to a player-invented mode that took over custom lobbies, cat and mouse. The idea was simple, players divided into teams of two, with one player of each team taking a supercar and the other a Mini Cooper. The goal for each team is to get your Mini, or mouse, across the finish line, while the cats, an odd mix of Porsches, Ferraris, and Kona's eggs, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, uh, would try and keep the other teams from doing the same. The end result is a crazy game of bumper cars with the supercars alternating between pushing their minis well by- past the normal top speeds <laughs> and slamming the others into every wall they could. This proved to be so fun that the mode would be added to Project Gotham 3 and 4, oh, man. with the former even getting the Mini Cooper DLC, despite every other car having a minimum top speed of 170 miles per hour <laughs> and the Mini having not that. Hope you enjoyed <laughs> these tales of early days of online console gaming. Alex, Charleston, South Carolina. That's really good. Yep. I'm really glad that they made that a mode. Yeah, that's that I mean that kind of thing happened in uh in the Halo series a lot and it was was really great. Yeah. yeah. Um let's see. On this vein, uh, in this vein, uh Jason Coplin writes alternative gaming experiences. Hi thumbs. The recent swath of nostalgia makes uh nostalgia makes over alternative I think there's a typo in here. Anyway, um the recent swath of this reminds me of a related yet distinct <laughs> play method like I witnessed back, back in the day. Yeah. Uh, my friend and his sister both wanted to play through Final Fantasy VII when it dropped in the U.S. They didn't think it would be practical for them to each do their own playthrough, but they – oh my, this is amazing – but also found it difficult to coordinate enough time as high school students involved in difficult extracurriculars. When only one of them was available to play, they would continue solo, keeping notes of any important story beats to fill in the other later. Oh, man. They had the PlayStation connected to the VCR, ready with a blank tape, which then fed to the TV. Oh, my God. All the important cutscenes were recorded, so the missing sibling could play catch-up by watching the previously on Final Fantasy VII and reading up on the notes. The pre-YouTube era was difficult indeed. I wonder if they have those old tapes anywhere. Thanks for the great podcast. Jason Copeland, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. That's amazing. Yeah, that is that is truly incredible. That is really, really good. Yeah. God, what a what a weird thing. Even better would have been if they had recorded like commentary. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Oh my goodness. 
Now I just want a game like that where you where you actually have to trade off and then communicate what has happened in order for the other person to, right. to so they, progress. Right, like information that they need. Yeah, but it's up. But they're but you're not going to know what information is required. You know, they right. will exactly. be most useful to them. So you yeah. have to make a call. And you only have a minute. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that would be that would that would be an interesting mobile. You could do that on mobile. Yeah, you could because you could you could restrict. You need yep. if each player had their own screen, you could mm-hmm. intentionally restrict what they each see. Yeah, like a net team's pride. Be kind an interesting, of level sort of like play by email. You know, sort of like modern yeah. equivalent of a play by email game, yep. where you take yours and then you kind of like um, uh, what was the game that everyone played for a while where you draw stuff. Oh yeah, draw draw something or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you have to describe. You know, the other person has to figure mm-hmm. out what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that's a cool idea. Also, I want to know if they're. I want to know if the uh, Eris dies cutscene was oh played live or was pl- or was replayed oh, via VHS. Wow! Last time on, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. The future of internet memes and everything. Yeah, yep. jeez. God, it's weird that that game is so. It's that they're remaking it, but then also like yeah. I had a weird thought in my head before this was announced. Like, how are they going to remake that game because it's like fifty hours long and to remake it in like modern fidelity? I bet they're going to make it um uh episodic and then they announced that it was <laughs> so now now yeah. you'll probably actually get a last time on final right. fantasy uh cutscene anyway man speaking of that speaking of sort of intensive remakes the uh double fine is remaking um, oh yeah full throttle yeah which is really cool yeah and super fun for that. but that's a, it's an entirely 2d game so they just have to redraw all that hand animation yeah that's crazy to, i guess trace it all yeah um, i mean i bet it's gonna be beautiful though mm-hmm yeah, that is really exciting. I'm really I'd glad that, that, that I'm so the, glad people will be able to buy it. Yeah, I'm really glad that those basically, like almost the entire full slate of of those games are are going to be available on modern, yeah, modern they're, platforms. Because they're doing Day of the Tentacle. Yeah, both Monkey Islands are available. Even yeah, though I Grim didn't Fandango think those, is just remastered. Very good special editions. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Grim Fandango. Yeah. It's yeah, good. I'm really really happy. Yep. Man, did you see also Psychonauts two? Mm-hmm. Crazy, right? A VR and thing? VR thing. Well, there's those are different. oh, they're oh, they're two different things. Yeah, I well, didn't even realize that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Psychonauts VR is like a bridge story between one and two, oh. I think. And then Psychonauts two is like a full scale, just like crazy, just full on game. You know, wow, platformer, just a big game. Man, yeah, yeah, yeah it's cool. Yeah, Psychonauts was the one was the first game I ever worked on. I was a tester on that. game. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, so this is a cool thing to see. Yeah, that was before I even worked at Check News. Right. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. Yep. Cool. Um, all right. On well, that note. On that note. Uh, thank you for listening to Idle Thumbs. Thank you for listening to our, our weird uh, tag team, Idle Thumbs. <laughs> yeah. If you... No, this is episode two of whatever this variant oh, is. Oh, yeah. We've done this once before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode of Idle Thumbs or if you enjoy the show as a whole, please tell a friend. It, we, it really means a lot to us. Uh, it seriously is like the absolute only way that we have to get the show out there. Um, we have, we, that is it. It is your word of mouth and nothing else. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at idle thumbs. Uh, you can find our website at idlethumbs.net, which has a number of other shows we host, uh, including the promise. This is actually still coming idle weekend with Rob Zachney and Daniel Riendo. They've done a few test episodes and just various sort of, life things and complications have kept the actual podcast from going up when we wanted it to. So really sorry about that, but it is still coming. They are still working on it. It will exist. Um, just keep listening to this podcast and we will, you will know as soon as it's ready to go. Um, and you can email us your questions, comments, 
weird stories to questions at idlethumbs.net. And you can email questions and comments for Rob and Danielle at questions at idleweekend.net. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Also, maybe look out for a special 3MA podcast with me, Rob, and, um, oh, God, I can't think of his name right now, but in any case, on Star Wars Rebellion. Uh, oh, yeah. Which will Are you guys talking about that strange. Film? Yeah, we're going to try and do it in like a week or so. Oh, I cool. Think, so. Okay, so Three Moves Ahead featuring Nick Brecken yeah. coming soon. Talking about my favorite game, <laughs> another oh. Star Wars tactical game. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. um, cool. All right, well, uh, that and all this other stuff is and will be at idlethumbs.net. Thank you for listening. Thanks. What a svelte pop screen. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I like this package. Oh, <laughs> uh, crap. <laughs>